You're listening to the GNU World Order. This is episode 11 of season 12. A long time ago, probably in season 1 or something, I was talking about slacks, and I think since then, slacks, S-L-A-X, uh, since then I think I mentioned it one or two other times on this show, because it's a project that I kind of kept going back to. It was a project that was a portable version well, a portable Linux OS based on Slackware. Let's say it like that. It would be, I think it would be incorrect to say it was a portable version of Slackware. So it's, it was a portable OS based on Slackware, and it was quite nice because you could put it onto a USB thumb drive, put said thumb drive onto your keychain, or whatever you put things onto, and, and boot from that thumb drive whenever you needed to. I've, I used it over the years for everything. I used it for troubleshooting computers, especially if the computer could not boot on its native OS, so I used it for that. I mean, sometimes I would have to resort to a CD-ROM version of Slacks because there was a brand of computers that for a long time, I fairly recently, uh, just introduced the feature to boot off of USB because they just didn't want that to happen, so uh, that was annoying. But Slacks saved the day because I would just carry around the, US the, the CD-ROM and I had the thumb drive, and I've used it for everything. I can, I've can i just used it, I've used it in class. I, I taught a class at one point, like five or six, I think six teenagers, teaching them Python and Pygame, and I didn't want to teach them on whatever OS the computers ran in their class, in, in the classroom designated for this course. So I, I would come in like, you know, 10 minutes early every day, and pop in a CD into each computer, reboot into Slacks, and I had the environment all set up with all the applications that I wanted, and it worked perfectly. It was great. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I also did that with a, a, a class with a bunch of, like, eight-year-olds teaching them Scratch. Uh, I had to fill in for someone and had to teach Scratch, and this was before they, before Scratch inexplicably switched to Flash, so it would actually run on an open-source stack, and so I taught some kids that again with the slacks as the the basis the 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 OS behind it all and uh when i whenever i would travel i would i would have my slacks usb key so i would very frequently boot off of that if i was on a public wireless network or if i had to use a hotel's computers like you know how sometimes they have a computer like a, like some computers in the business center sometimes in the lobby i would just pop my thumb drive in and reboot and boot off of the thumb drive because i didn't want to use windows what what's the big deal and it, it was just fantastic it was great i had it on me all the time i bought this really nice little kingston thumb drive and it was uh, metal it was all metal casing so it's pretty pretty durable and and I actually bought that straight from Slacks, from Slacks.com or Slacks.org, whatever it is. Uh, paid for that, got it shipped to me, and it was good. It, it has been very good to me over the years. Now, very recently, about, it might have been almost six months ago now. Might have been six months ago. Might have been more. But it, it's within within the lifespan of Mastodon, let's put it that way. Which, I mean, that's only been out for, like, what, a year? So, within that time span, uh, Slacks, but unrelated to that, um, Slacks announced that it was going to drop its Slackware base and switch to Debian. Now, 
uh, aside from the fact that the name Slacks implies a certain foundation, and Debian does not speak to that, it's it's um it it's something that I'm not really that interested in. Like the beauty of Slacks for me was that it was portable, but that it was familiar. It had everything that I wanted from the OS. That like I it it had the all the familiarity that I that I wanted from from for Slackware. And and in fact, when I was making, you could make modules. The packages in in Slacks were dynamically loaded, so you would boot the thing, and if you had a, a module in a certain directory, it would load that as if though it was, if it, as if though it had it, it was it was installed like it was just part of the distribution so that was really nice so i had all kinds of things really i mean i had like 20 different modules in there like emacs obviously all of its well not all of its dependencies because i i rolled my own emacs which was fairly lightweight it wasn't it wasn't the full emacs someone else came up behind me and correct you know i guess probably in their eyes corrected my work and and did a full emacs install but i i didn't use that because i wanted the the lightweight one so used that uh, had had things like uh, not Krita, but some kind of painting program, Inkscape, just a bunch of different ones, and and it was super easy to make because it was basically a Slack build with a couple of different things on top of it. So you could just take an existing Slack build, make a couple of different trivial modifications, and and it would turn itself into a module for you. It would build on the Slack's server and then upload it to the community repository. You could download it and use it it was fantastic and and if you didn't have if you know if if it was a if it was a cd that you were booting off of you could then load those modules off of a separate like a thumb drive or something because obviously those modules unless you went and undid the cd and then reburned it you you wouldn't have those modules saved on a cd obviously but it was it was very very flexible in in the sense that that you could you could treat it like you know a, a fairly you could treat it like a, an actual install, pretty much. So it was really, really nice. And I liked it, and it was familiar. Switching to Debian kind of lost my interest. Now, I don't... Look, I don't blame the guy, Thomas, uh, or Tomas, uh, for for switching to Debian. I mean, if he, he's... As far as I know, he's kind of... It's a one-man show. I think he is a slacks. And as someone who very modestly manages a a sort of a distribution and it's not even a distribution it is a documentation project with some with some little convenience scripts here and there uh, slacker media is what it's called in case you don't know it's slackermedia.info it's multimedia on slackware so it's it's basically just how i do stuff written down and recorded for other people to learn from but it has some convenience scripts and and just generally i just have to keep it somewhat updated you know i mean there's there's a certain degree of maintenance to that having a site that other people may or may not refer to so i can understand this the, the slacks maintainer might want you know whatever he has to do to make his life easier and to make his goal of hey i i maintain a portable linux os Whatever he has to do to make that more manageable for himself, then I, I I can sympathize to whatever degree I I can sympathize. So I don't I don't hold it against him. In other words, I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact that when you switch your foundation from Slackware to Debian, 
my interest wanes. It's just how it is. So I kind of thought, well, I'd been holding out really for the latest release of Slacks. Like I, I, I mean, the I think the the version that I had was probably something like 14.0 or 14.1 maybe, and and it was definitely time. I mean, based on 14.1 uh, Slacks, I think it was version seven or something like that. But I, I figured, you know, this I'll, I'll wait for this to for, for Slacks to update, and that'll be fine. But then Slacks up and changed their their foundation and I, I I yeah I just I wasn't gonna do it so walked away from slacks perfectly happy it's not not a problem no judgment but also no OS on my thumb drive right I mean sure an old slacks version but I mean that's got to get updated at some point so I was looking around trying to find something that that kind of spoke to me and and one of those was Slitaz because I thought I mean, I don't actually know what Slitaz is based on. I'm not sure if it's based on anything. Maybe it's a completely home, home brew from from the ground up. I'm not really sure. I didn't I, I didn't really look into it. But the thing that kind of caught my eye with Slitaz was that they they have their own packaging system. And I thought, okay, well that's interesting at least because I, I don't want to get involved with anything that uses apt. I'm just not interested in using apt. I mean, that's my that's really my main gripe with 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 Debian, honestly, it's just apt. I, I, I do not like apt. I do not like DPKG. I do not believe that they work very well. I think they're poorly designed. And that's just my opinion, and I couldn't even back it up in an arm wrestle. I mean, if if people really... Well, actually, I might be able to. I might be able to back it up. I could I could back it up with symptoms. I could probably... I might not be able to really complain. I mean, I've built deb packages before, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It, it's just, it's apt itself, I think, that I really, really don't like. And, and yeah, I can't point to the source code that I don't like. I'm just saying that the user experience for me is suboptimal. So then I stumbled across something called Porteous. Now, I've known about Porteous. I'd heard about it before. And a lot of people, when um, Alien Bob, a, a frequent contributor and team member of Slackware, came out with a live boot version of of Slackware proper, a lot of people said, oh, well, Porteous is not needed anymore. Or, or, or else they said, why did you do that? Why wouldn't you just use Porteous? So I'd, I'd heard the name. It came up a couple of times. But at the time, I had Slacks. So I kind of, it's just in one ear out the other. The, now I don't have Slacks. So I finally decided, all right, I'm going to sit down and look into this Porteous thing. I was sold on it like that. I mean, I went to the website, I looked at it, and I thought, okay, this is actually really good. This looks great. I looked at the packaging scheme, and that looked promising. It looks like, again, it's just, it's a Slackware package with a couple of different changes. So, nothing revolutionary, nothing really hugely different. Uh, and when I say packaging, I should say module, like how it can load in extra modules, as if though they had already been installed. So, Looked at that, was pretty happy. The website overall, just it looked like it was active. It looks like it was intelligently designed. It had documentation. And it was all Slackware-based. So I thought, I should try this. Then you have to decide, well, what version do you want to try? Because, man, do they have versions. They have KDE, Mate, Mat, Mate, Cinnamon, LXDELXQTXFCE, Open box. Open box I don't really like 
because it's uh, the, the configuration doesn't it isn't familiar enough for me. Flux will talk, but OpenBox not really. XFCE, it's awful, that's an awful lot of GTK. LXDE, I don't really know what that one is. LXQt, now we're talking. We're getting towards the cute end of the spectrum. And then there's KDE, and I thought, oh, KDE is so huge. That's ridiculous. Why would I ever do that? And then I thought, wait a minute, that's what Slacks had, and, and that was fine. So I just went KDE. And the version, I just went ahead and got the 32-bit version. Because, in my experience, when the only computer around is a 32-bit computer, and I don't have a 32-bit OS, I go absolutely crazy. And so I figured, I'm not going to care on my portable thumb drive about accessing all... What's the magic number? Like over 8 gigs or over 4 gigs of, of RAM. No, 4, I guess. I just don't care on a portable OS. I'm not going to be doing serious mega graphic work on a portable thumb drive. This is just, this is the thing that should, that should boot a computer in, in a pinch. Now, I realize the presence of KDE does threaten that, but pra pra pragmatically speaking, I've been using Slacks for, for years, and not once was KDE a blocker. So I'm going to assume that in the even rarer instance that I have to be in front of a computer that I cannot boot nowadays in, in my new sort of working from home, remote working, um, always having a laptop or something on me, it just doesn't really happen that often. So I'm, I'm comfortable with KDE 32-bit, downloaded it, and... Uh, and set to putting it on a thumb drive. Okay, so thumb drive install process, I will admit not quite as smooth as Slacks. I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying that it was a little bit, it, it didn't quite work, it wasn't quite as easy as Slacks. It wasn't invisible, in other words. Now the official method from Porteus.org for putting their ISO onto a thumb drive is that you open the ISO as a loop device, so you mount it into a directory, and then you copy the contents. Well, actually, in their main con in their main documentation, they say copy boot and Porteous. Those are the two directories to your thumb drive. They're not super explicit about what file system your thumb drive should be, whether it should have some kind of you know small. Um, sort of fat partition at the front, or, or what. So I did it as written. I just did the ext4 thumb drive and took the two folders that they specified, put it on the thumb drive, and then changed directory into the thumb drive, into the boot directory, and then did sh space porteous uh, installer for linux.com, bizarrely, uh, and, and hit return. And it confirmed, hey, I'm going to install this stuff to this particular partition. Is that correct? You you type OK to continue. You press return. It does some magical things. And then it says, OK, done. Press enter to exit. And so you can exit. And then you can boot. Well, you can try to boot. So I took that. And to be fair, I should say, so that process, just because the computer that I had closest at hand at the time was a Fedora laptop. So that process I did on Fedora. So that's out of out of process, right? Because Porteous.org said, hey, you should burn a Porteous CD 
and then boot off of the Porteous CD, and then use Porteous CD to then create your USB drive. And I just thought, well, that's silly. I don't have, I don't have, I mean, I do have an optical drive, like, in a box somewhere that I could dig out and use, but, I mean, that that's just silly. So I, I didn't want to do that, so I just, I took my chances, and it did not work. When I boot off of the thumb drive, it could not find the the boot directory as far as I can tell the um, the error that I got was error no configuration file found no default or UI configuration directive found and that's that was from syslinux that I got that 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 error so so not a problem I grabbed the ISO file from that laptop transferred it over to my Slackware computer, my um, my tower that I'm on right now, and basically tried again. I reformatted the USB thumb drive just for safety, and uh, copied... Well, okay, so then I, I mounted the CD, the ISO into a directory, and I noticed this time that there was a file there called usbinstallation.txt. I thought, okay, well, I might as well look at that just to make sure, just to see if there's any more information I need in this as opposed to the website. And it's probably the same. It's probably the same stuff. Like, why would you write two separate guides? Like, it's probably just a, a links text dump of of that web page. And so I opened it, and no, it was not. It was a different file. It was different contents. So this one told me to copy all of the contents of the ISO to the thumb drive, and that I think was the key. Now, I mean, unfortunately, I didn't. I didn't ignore that and then duplicate what I had done on Fedora. To, to see if it failed again, so that this is bad troubleshooting, obviously, and not very scientific. So either Porteous didn't want to be be made off of a Fedora laptop, which I kind of doubt because it's a pretty robust system. I feel like that little shell script that they provide for the install probably wouldn't have had anything so foreign to Fedora that it that it failed that way. So I'm I'm doubting it's that, or. Uh, I needed to copy all of those files, which I think is probably what it was. All the files from the ISO onto the USB thumb drive, go into the USB thumb drive, into the boot directory, and then I did uh, bash space porteous installer for linux.com or whatever it was called. And and the same process felt, felt basically the same from my perspective. Uh, grabbed my thumb drive out, put it in my lap, my little, uh, my Slackware laptop, boot uh, and from the thumb drive, and this time it worked absolutely perfectly. So a little bit of trouble getting the install correct, but I'm having a feeling that it's probably um, it, it could be a number of things, and I and I don't blame Porteous for that. Now I should also mention that this is a release candidate that I tried. I tried Porteous uh, 4.0 or whatever it is, rather than the latest stable, which was 3.2.2, because I figured I might as well go for the latest thing, right? So, um, especially since I don't really intend, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to be updating this all that often. It's going to, it's on my thumb drive now. It's going to go on my keychain, and I'm going to forget about it until I, until I use it. And of course, having it on my thumb drive, I, I had to try it, and uh, I was not disappointed. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's put it that way, and then let's go get a cup of coffee because I've got a lot to say about Porteous. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, I hope you have a great cup of coffee there, because Porteus deserves it. Really, this is such a cool little portable OS, I'm more or less beside myself. I feel like, by abandoning Slacks, I have gotten Slacks++. It is fantastic. Let me describe all of the things I love about Porteus. So first of all, as I've already stated, it's based on Slackware, so there's a lot of familiarity there for me. Which is which is nice, but I mean, if you're not a Slackware user, that might not mean a whole lot to you. Although, frankly, if you want to become a Slackware user, this may be a great gateway into Slackware usage, honestly. Because, I mean, it's... it is... It's, it's a fully functional and really nice version of Slackware already assembled. You, you don't have to deal with that mythically horrible install process, which, by the way, is mythical because it's, it's not true. It's false. It's incorrect. Um, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to figure out how do you make uh, the graphical environment come up by default. It's already turned on for you. All, all of these little things that on Slackware you do have to take care of yourself, you, you don't have to do that for Porteus. It's all set up for you. You you boot the thing, you choose what environment you want, and, and just like on Slacks, which if you've never used it won't mean anything to you, but, but the initial bootloader screen is the... it gives you a choice between things like copy to RAM so that you can then you can boot the thing and then remove the thumb drive. So now you're just running the com you're running the computer with the OS entirely in RAM. So so speed-wise it's fantastic. I mean it's it's probably better than what you would normally get out of that laptop. So that's great. Uh you can uh you can opt to to have persistent changes. I think as long as it's a Linux native file system, I think if it's if it's FAT or NTFS, it 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 requires you to possibly save your changes to some other place. I'm not sure about that, but uh, I mean, I how would I be sure about that? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use a non-native Linux file system on my thumb drive. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's um, lots of little choices that you can make, and and then and very. Very nicely, you can also just choose not to boot from the thumb drive. So if you accidentally booted, you know, up from 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 the thumb drive, uh, forgetting that you had that plugged in or something, you can just go down to the selection that says "Don't boot." Boot from the first hard drive. Super, super nice. Okay, so once you boot Porteous, it comes up with KDE. And when I saw the KDE that it came up with, I thought, "Oh, this is so great!" Because I was kind of concerned. Because on my on all of my Slackware computers right now, uh, yeah, all of my Slackware computers right now, I have the 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 icon theme that I'm using is the new icon theme from the latest version of KDE, the uh, Breeze icon, I think is what it's called. So so it kind of looks kind of like KDE five-ish because it's got all the all the icons. It's a dark theme, blah blah blah. So I thought it'll be weird because this is going to be that old ugly KDE theme that I can't stand. Which I mean, the default KDE I, I've never really thought was very attractive to me, uh, and so, and so when KDE popped up on the screen of Porteous, I thought, oh, that's really neat. It looks that they are using the same icon theme as I am, and then I realized the reason they're using the same uh, KDE five icon theme that I'm using on KDE four is because 
they're running KDE5. So I've, I've, I'm now running Slackware in the form of Porteous with KDE5, which, I mean, I could do on my normal Slackware machines, but I don't because I just really don't like changing the base system. I, I have these things configured perfectly for all of my multimedia work, and I am perfectly happy to keep them there. But on Porteous, this thumb drive that I'm going to use in emergency situations or just for fun, why not? Why not live a little bit in the future and run KDE5? So that's th this isn't, to be clear, this is not my first experience with KDE5. I'm running KDE5 on my Fedora laptop, so it's, it's not like this is the first time I've encountered it. It's just, I'm just saying, it's kind of nice to have it on Slackware, frankly. Uh, everything's configured nicely. One of the frequent, uh, or sanely, I, I mean, sanely, one of the frequent critiques of Slacks was that it it dumped you into a root environment. And that's, you, you'll probably recognize that critique from something like Puppy Linux as well. I think it's Puppy that, that just says, hey, you're root now, enjoy. Porteous does not do that. And a lot of people think, oh, you should just run as root on a portable thumb drive because it's it is clearly a a single user machine like there is no there's no illusion here that it's a multi multi-user system this is a this is a an appliance I, I, practically so why bother and i think there's a good argument for that honestly i i when when running on when running slacks i it didn't bother me to be honest uh that i was root all the time it never never bothered me in the least that said, it's kind of nice to, you know, just for familiarity, it's kind of nice to see that I'm not running as root on Porteous, I'm r running as guest. Eh, whatever. So if I want to become root, I can do um, su, return, and then type in t-o-o-r, and now I'm root. So that's that's pretty simple, and I didn't read that anywhere, I guessed it. The other nice thing that they include, well, let me... Yeah, I guess I could get into that. Um, so the, I guess the, the big killer feature, which for me I'm, I'm not 100% sure it's a killer feature to be honest, but I, I was curious about it, and I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what they're doing about this, and that is package management, because Slackware certainly, I'm, I'm familiar with the tools that I use for Slackware, which are Slack Package, and Sport, a little shell script that I wrote for for slackbuild.org uh, dependency, or not dependency, um, compiling and installation. So I know how to do that on Slackware, but what am I, what am I, what am I using here on Porteous? Now on Slacks, they had their own, they had their own um, command, and you, you could, you could search the Slacks repository for, for existing modules, and then you could install them uh, and I think that was also the command that you used to build and submit them as well. It was kind of, kind of a nice all-round command that was that was good for a lot of things. And in fact, I should have probably should have before I wiped this thumb drive pulled that pulled that command off to see what what made it go. That might have been actually kind of interesting. Hopefully, I can find an ISO of slacks so that I can look at that command because that was that was now that I'm thinking about it that was kind of a cool version of of slack builds because it had some really useful macros built into it so you know if you're used to building rpms which i'm not really but i mean i kind of am 
uh, then you'll you're you're familiar with with a couple of macros that you can just type, and you you know that a certain sequence will now happen. You know, like there are certain things that you just really don't need to see written out all the time, or or much less configure yourself. Uh, a very typical one would would be the assignment of what architecture you're building for. You know that there there's a sort of a a big switch uh, case statement thing uh, to, to determine the architecture in a Slack build script. And and you can collapse that down into a macro and just plug that in and say, yeah, run run that thing, because that should obviously go there. Again, I don't know the mechanics of that, because I didn't look at the... Com I never thought to actually look at the command. I just I was just using the command when I was in Slacks, which, again, wasn't all that often, to be honest. I mean, I probably did look at the command at one point, but I would like to go back and actually look at it at this point to see if there's anything that I could pilfer from it, really, now that I'm assuming it's not going to be... I'm assuming it's deprecated. Um, so, yeah, so I, I thought, okay, I wonder what, what Porteous uses for all of their package package needs. So I, I went to the, the application menu and clicked on Applications to Search and then typed in Package because I figured, well, that'll be the... That'll be the obvious thing, right? And sure enough, it does come up. It, it comes up with USM, which is the Unified Slackware Package Manager. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds a little bit scary because it sounds like they're probably going to pull in one of those weird, uh, those, those weird package manager things like slapped get, where they ported apt to Slackware, which of course would be funny because that's one of the reasons I'm avoiding Slacks now is that I, I don't want to have to deal with apt. So it'd be funny if Porteous was using slap to get by default. Um, and it's not. So it's it's really pretty nice, this USM thing. And I haven't looked at all of its code yet. I do intend to. I've looked at its configuration file and some of its preferences and kind of poked around, but I haven't really studied it a whole lot. And and it is on SourceForge, so if you want to look at it yourself, you, you can go to SourceForge. Uh, .net and and do a search for USM unified slackware unified package manager for slackware um what it does pretty obviously is it uses i'm i'm going to assume it's slack package plus plus it might be its own thing that does essentially the same thing as slack package plus plus but slack package plus plus is something that i've not really talked about, I don't think, on this show, which I, I probably should do an episode about it, but it is, it's a an add-on to Slack Package. Slack Package being the mechanism by which you can search the Slackware online installer. So it's everything that you got on your Slackware install DVD, but it's the online version. So you can search... Or you can actually just keep it searching your your DVD. I mean, it's it's pretty flexible like that. But by default, I think people generally point it at the Slackware servers, or or a mirror, and and that way you get notified of of important updates. Now, now Slackware doesn't do a whole lot of updates, but when they do, they're they're things that you probably want to know about. So that's kind of the theory I think behind Slack Package. Now, Slack Package plus plus adds a couple of capabilities to that uh, by by permitting you to add a number of other repositories and then you can search those as well and those repositories tend to host 
tend or always let me look always host a, a variety of binary packages that you can then install I know it sounds crazy it sounds like one of those fancy Linux distributions and I admit I'm a little bit nervous about it myself I don't feel super comfortable with it um, I just by you know just because of what it means but but especially for Porteous, who cares? And even on on a normal, like on a on an actual install, it it probably doesn't hurt to have options. I I pro I I I I can't I won't say I was gonna say I probably wouldn't use Slack Package Plus Plus on a daily basis, but I can actually say I don't use Slack Package Plus Plus on a daily basis. I've had it installed. I've I've had a look at it, but but it's I mean I don't I certainly don't think I have it installed now. I mean. You just verify. I might have installed it and left it installed, but who knows? No, I do not have it installed. So yeah, it's not something that I really mess around with. Um, I, it is very, very cool though. It is. It's. It's neat. It's cool that someone came up with it, and I think it's quite useful, uh, especially since you, you know, there are certain people out there who do a lot of work, com you know, compiling stuff on their CPU cycles and then posting it to the internet and and a lot of them have been around for a very long time so there are people like alien bob who i mean he's he's he he, he does a lot of slackware work so why wouldn't you install stuff that he's that he's putting out there uh salix which is a huge you know slackware uh, based distribution uh slacky which is a big italian uh slackware community that just has been around forever so a lot of these these repositories are offering things that they've that they've compiled and you can install them from from them so that's kinda cool the cooler thing is though I mean so so USM so it's a GUI application I should mention so it actually launches in a window and it it, it, it shows you you can go to settings and you can see what what mirrors you have it's they're they're all there edit uh, alien salix slackware slacky slack only and pawns you can update databases of of those mirrors. You can pull, you know, to see if there are any new new changes um, on on those places. And you can even let's see where was that? I think in preferences. Yeah, in in preferences, the the default is to convert Slackware packages to Porteous modules. So in other words, when you open this application up, it it not only it it doesn't just install you know it's not just installing a slackware package it is creating a module for you so that the next time that you boot into porteous as far as porteous knows that thing is is permanently installed and that's huge because of because of the reasons that i i explained about slacks you know like if you're if you have if you have this thumb drive that's been created and is basically immutable but you can store extra data on your thumb drive and then point your OS to that and say oh by the way load those modules or the, you know those package modules load those as if though they were installed integrate them into the system it's it's to you it looks exactly the same from the user perspective it's it's just as if though you'd installed that application so a very cool trick and then if you're if you're running off of a CD obviously you can't get those things onto your CD without reburning and restructuring your CD so being able to put those modules on an external device and then loading them separately it's brilliant it's a game changer I mean it, it's 
it enables you to use and reuse that portable OS, whereas before it would just be too much trouble. You would have to just settle for whatever was installed. So it's huge, huge. And and it's really, really nice. The fact that, that this uh, little portable distribution has what a lot of people have kind of been critiquing Slackware for not having for, for a very long time, which is a GUI package manager, which, I mean, I just... Who cares, right? Well, people care, apparently. Some people do. And and this has it. It's got it right here. It's super nice. I mean, it's not fancy. It's not... It isn't anything... You know, it doesn't have, like, thumbnails of all the applications and screenshots, and it doesn't... You know, it doesn't do any... It, it looks very much like um, maybe... Uh, what's that one? Uh, not Apper. Um, well, Yumx or 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 you know those those early sort of here here you go here's your here's your GUI and it's just like a a, a search field and a list of stuff. It it's not it's not revolutionary. It's not pretty. It's not not new and fancy, but it works and it's a GUI package manager that. That you know, if someone insists that they just can't use a terminal, maybe they can use that. And I think honestly, they probably could. It's 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 got everything that you need. You know, you type in VLC into that search field, it gives you results for VLC, and now you can install VLC on Porteous and have that on your portable OS. And I I guess the the bottom line here that I that I'll just I'll just get to because. I think I've I've praised it enough at this point, but but the bottom line, in a weird weird way, is that while the most exciting thing to me about this portable OS is that it has the familiarity and comfort for me of Slackware, it it's it is surprisingly unlike Slackware. I think to a user who had who had no experience with Slackware. Heck, I think no experience with Linux, and I challenge anyone to to prove otherwise. But I think that I mean that's one of those things where it's really on the user at that point. Are they gonna are they gonna act like they don't know how to use a computer now because you've sat them down in front of something unfamiliar, or are they going to use their head and actually you know figure out where to click when they want to open an application or whatever? So that aside, for someone who's completely new to this stuff. They would sit down at that and use it just as naturally as 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 any other system. Like I cannot see a difference between that and let's say the latest Fedora or the latest um, I don't know whatever whatever the other fancy distribution is out there right now, the user friendly ones, quote unquote. It's it's exactly the same. It's 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 got all the all the same features. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it just kind of goes to show, I think, the flexibility of a lot of things, but, but open source and Linux and and KDE and everything. Because you've got this thing that is famously complex, right? Slackware. Oh my gosh, it's so complex. You, people can't... It's so old school and it's so traditional. And once you... It'll blow your mind because it's so different. And And all it takes is a loving hand to sort of configure things in a certain way, hide things that you don't want to see, you know, kind of sweep those out behind the curtains or whatever so that you are you're you're left with a very clean and tidy room that you can enter and be at peace in. And that's what they've done here. They've made it look super nice. 
Slackware, everything's already configured for you. You don't have to go to any trouble at all. You can just sit down and use the OS. And that's the advantage, I think, of a complex system. I mean, I'm all for minimalism. I'm all for simplicity. But when there's a complex system that is built smartly, then you can always pare it down to make it appear simpler. That's the beauty of it. If, if you build something really simple, then yeah, possibly maybe fewer things can go wrong, and and you know there are benefits there. But you can't. You, there, there's there's a ceiling also. It, it it is a simple thing. You cannot necessarily make it more complex. So this thing is complex. It's got all the beauty, stability, and and logic of Slackware. And it's it, the desktop is KDE, but it's got a lot of sane settings already there for you. The long and short of it is that it's it's a great project. Porteous has has captured my interest. It has made its way onto my thumb drive. I am happy to have found it. And, and frankly, I wish I'd found it sooner. I, if I'd if I had if I had tried it sooner, I I would have had a more up-to-date USB thumb drive sooner. I would have I would have not been sort of stuck in in a nice way, but I wouldn't have been stuck with with um with with an outdated slacks. I mean, as much as I I was you know, I've I've enjoyed Slacks as I've said at the top of the episode, but this would have been nice. And but now I have it, and I'm recommending it to you strongly. If you're looking for a portable OS, Porteous.org. Check it out. Get it. Use it. Listening to the GNU World Order Ogcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.
think there's something wrong with your thyroid or something. 